Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at the top of the page for online edition, you will see a drop-down menu that contains the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same drop-down menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. And at the top of the hour... We will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. And as Fran is on travel, visiting family, we're asking for volunteers to uh, lead that lesson. The lesson today is Lesson 26. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. I would like to volunteer this morning. Thank you, Lemoyne. Okay, Judy, thank you. So, uh, turn to you now, Laurie, and ask do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for this call? Oh, I do, Lemoyne. Uh, I was taken by the hand this morning, uh, straight to this one, from Paralyzed Amadon in his book, Forty Prayers. Uh, I find this poem called The Nest of Nearness. An old friend of yours told me that my heart is like a bird in the world of desire, flying in the air and seeking until it lands in the nest of nearness to you. I fold my wings. The nest is lined with the soft down of silence, held in the infinite tree of your presence. I didn't know it would be like this. Where I come from, people are lonely. They hurry past your beauty, fearing death. I used to be like them, afraid of heights until you gave my heart these wings. Now I don't ask to be comforted. That would keep me scared and needy. Now there is no edge to the peace of my happiness and yours. Amen. Wow. Thank you. What is the title of the book that you read that out of? 
That was fantastic. Uh, Robin Marie, the book title is called, uh, and I'm sorry I don't know the correct pronunciation of the word, M-U-N-A-J-A-T. M-U-N-A-J-A-T. That, and that's uh-huh. the title of the poem book? This, uh-huh. And the subtitle is 40 Prayers, which oh, I think is probably the translation. Oh, Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, Laura. That was lovely. That was perfect for today's lesson. I felt that way. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Spoke to my to my very tender heart. Thank you. All right, well, thank you, Glory. Um, here's the reading list this morning. I have Lori, Jessica, Lana, and Karen. And I have both Robin, Marie, and Judy. And maybe. Go ahead. I can read now. It's Robin. Marie. You can read? Yeah. You can read now? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, just for my convenience, I'm going to move you up to second. So it's Lori, Robin, Marie, Jessica, Lana, Karen, and uh, Judy may join in later. We'll need more readers. And uh, Renee is listening this morning. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning um, and perhaps join the reading list? Good morning. It's Donna, and I'll be listening. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Anyone else would like to say good morning? Okay. Um, I'll get us started with the reading then. Here in Chapter 3, Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. There is another point which must be perfectly clear before any residual fear which may still be associated with miracles, becomes entirely groundless. The crucifixion did not establish the atonement. The resurrection did. This is a point which many very... (coughs) Excuse me. This is a point which many very sincere Christians have misunderstood. No one who is free of the scarcity error could possibly make this mistake. If the crucifixion is seen from an upside-down point of view, it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. 
many ministers preach this every day. Um, Lori. Uh, chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. There is another point which must be perfectly clear before any residual fear which may still be associated with miracles becomes entirely groundless. The crucifixion did not establish the atonement. The resurrection did. This is a point which many very sincere Christians have misunderstood. No one who is free of the scarcity error could possibly make this mistake. If the crucifixion is seen from an upside-down point of view, it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. Many ministers preach this every day. 12. This particularly unfortunate interpretation, which rose out of the combined misprojections of a very large number of my would-be followers, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. This particularly anti-religious concept enters into many religions, and this is neither by chance nor by coincidence. Yet the real Christian would have to pause and ask, quote, how could this be? End quote. Is it likely that God himself would be capable of the kind of thinking which his own words have clearly stated is unworthy of man? Thank you, Laurie <clears throat> and Robin Marie. Twelve. This particularly unfortunate interpretation, which arose out of the combined misprojections of a large number of my would-be followers, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. This particularly anti-religious concept enters into many religions, and this is neither by chance nor by coincidence. Yet the real Christian will have to pause and ask, quote, how could this be? Unquote. Is it likely that God himself would be capable of the kind of thinking which his own words have clearly stated is unworthy of man? 13. The best defense, as always, is not to attack another's position, but rather to protect the truth. It is unwise to accept any concept if you have to turn a whole frame of reference around in order to justify it. This procedure is painful in its minor applications and genuinely tragic on a mass basis. Persecution is a frequent result undertaken to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his own son on behalf of salvation. The very words are meaningless. Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica. 13. The best defense, as always, is not to attack another's position, but rather to protect the truth. It is unwise to accept any concept if you 
has to turn a whole frame of reference around in order to justify it. This procedure is painful in its minor applications and genuinely tragic on a mass basis. Persecution is a frequent result undertaken to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his own son on behalf of salvation. The very words are meaningless. It has been particularly difficult to overcome this because although the error itself is no harder to overcome than any other error, men were unwilling to give this one up because of its prominent, quote, escape value. In milder forms, a parent says, quote, this hurts me more than it hurts you and feels exonerated in beating a child. Can you believe that the father really thinks this way? It is so essential that all thinking, all such thinking be dispelled that we must be very sure that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. I was not punished because you were bad. The holy benign lesson of the atonement teaches the holy benign lesson the atonement teaches is lost if it is tainted with this kind of distortion in any form. Thank you, Jessica. And Lana. Thank you. 14. It has been particularly difficult to overcome this because although the error itself is no harder to overcome than any other error. Men were unwilling to give this one up because of its prominent, quote, escape, unquote, value. In milder forms, a parent says, in quotes, this hurts me more than it hurts you and feels exonerated in beating a child. Can you believe that the father really thinks this way? It is so essential that all such thinking be dispelled that we must be very that we must be very sure that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. Excuse me. I was not punished because you were bad. The holy benign lesson the atonement teaches is lost if it is tainted with this kind of distortion in any form. 15, in quotes, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, (laughs) is a strictly karmic viewpoint. It is a real misperception of truth by which man assigns his own evil, in quotes, pass to God. The, in quotes, evil conscience from the past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it, and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in karmic retribution. (laughs) His divine mind does not create that way. He does not hold the evil deeds of a man even against himself. Is it likely, then, that he would hold against 
anyone the evil that another did? Thank you, Lana. And Karen. Fifteen. <clears throat> Quote, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, unquote, is a strictly karmic viewpoint. It is a real misperception of truth by which man assigns his own, quote-unquote, evil past to God. The, quote, evil conscience, unquote, from the past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it, and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in karmic retribution. His divine mind does not create that way. He does not hold the evil deeds of man, even against himself. Is it likely, then, that he would hold against anyone the evil that another did? 16. Be very sure that you recognize how utterly impossible this assumption really is, and how entirely it arises from misprojection. This kind of error is responsible for a host of related errors, including the belief that God rejected man and forced him out of the Garden of Eden. It is also responsible for the fact that you may believe from time to time that I am misdirecting you, I have made every effort to use words that are almost impossible to distort. But man is very inventive when it comes to twisting symbols around. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for 16 and 17? A new reader no, for six. Okay. Go ahead, Judy. Hi. Thank you, Lemoyne. Be very sure that you recognize how utterly impossible this assumption really is and how entirely it arises from misprojection. This kind of error is responsible for a host of related errors, including the belief that God rejected man and forced him out of the Garden of Eden. It is also responsible for the fact that you may believe from time to time that I am misdirecting you. I have made every effort to use words that are almost impossible to distort, but man is very inventive when it comes to twisting symbols around. God himself is not symbolic. He is fact. The atonement, too, is totally without symbolism. It is perfectly clear because it exists in light. Only man's attempts to shroud it in darkness have made it inaccessible to the unwilling and ambiguous to the partly willing. (coughs) Excuse me. The atonement itself radiates nothing but truth. It, therefore, 
epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. It could not do this if it arose from anything but perfect innocence. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil which does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 17 and 18? Another new reader? For 17 and 18? Okay, uh, back to you, Lori. Thank you. God himself is not symbolic. He is fact. The atonement, too, is totally without symbolism. It is perfectly clear because it exists in light. Only man's attempts to shroud it in darkness have made it inaccessible to the unwilling and ambiguous to the partly willing. The atonement itself radiates nothing but truth. Therefore, epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. It cannot do this if it arose from anything but perfect innocence. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil, which does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. 18. The resurrection demonstrated that nothing, nothing can destroy truth. Good can withstand any form of evil because light abolishes all forms of darkness. The atonement is thus the perfect lesson. It is the final demonstration that all of the other lessons which I taught are true. Man is released from all errors if he believes in this. The deductive approach to teaching accepts the generalization which is applicable to all single instants rather than building up the generalizations after analyzing numerous single instances separately. If you can accept the one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from many smaller lessons. Thank you, Lori and Robin and Marie. 18. The resurrection demonstrated that nothing can destroy truth. Good can withstand any form of evil because light abolishes all forms of darkness. The atonement is thus the perfect lesson. It is the final demonstration that all of the other lessons which I taught are true. Man is released from all errors if he believes in this. The deductive approach to teaching accepts the generalization which is applicable to all single instances. Rather than building up the generalization after analyzing numerous single instances separately, 
If you can accept the one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from any smaller lessons. 19. Nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his Father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears and level confusion vanishes. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. This single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica. <clears throat> 20. I mean, sorry, uh, 19. Nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his Father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and the soul remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears and level confusion vanishes. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. This single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Because their hearts are pure, pure the, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the will to attack, and therefore they see truly. This is what the Bible means when it says, quote, when he shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Unquote. Thank you, Jessica. Lana. <clears throat> All right, they started the construction upstairs, so I hope it isn't too loud. I'm going to take it off me, off of, um, okay. 20, because their hearts are pure, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the will to attack, and therefore they see truly. This is what the Bible means when it says, quote, when he shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, unquote. 21. Sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear. This is particularly unfortunate because frightened people are apt to be vicious. Sacrificing another in any way 
is a clear-cut violation of God's own injunction that man should be merciful, even as his Father in heaven. It has been hard for many Christians to realize that this commandment or assignment also applies to themselves. Good teachers never terrorize their students. To terrorize is to attack, and this results in rejection of what the teacher offers. The result is learning failure. Thank you, Lana. And Karen. 21. Sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear. This is particularly unfortunate because frightened people are apt to be vicious. Sacrificing another in any way is a clear-cut violation of God's own injunction that man should be merciful even as his Father in heaven. It has been hard for many Christians to realize that this commandment or assignment also applies to themselves. Good teachers never terrorize their students. Terrorize is to attack, and this results in rejection of what the teacher offers. The result is learning failure. 22. I have been correctly referred to as, quote, the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world, unquote. Those who represent the Lamb as blood-stained and all too widespread error do not understand the meaning of the symbol. Correctly understood, it is a very simple parable which merely speaks of my innocence. The lion and the lamb lying down together refers to the fact that strength and innocence are not in conflict, but naturally live in peace. Quote, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, unquote, is another way of saying the same thing. Thank you, Karen. And Judy. Thank you. 22. I have been correctly referred to as the, quote, Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world, unquote. Those who represent the the Lamb as bloodstained and all too widespread error do not understand the meaning of this symbol. Correctly understood, it is a very simple parable which merely speaks of my innocence. The lion and the lamb lying down together refer to the fact that strength and innocence are not in conflict but naturally live in peace. Blessed are Excuse me, quote, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, unquote, is another way of saying the same thing. 23, there has been some human controversy about the nature 
of seeing in relation to the integrative powers of the brain. Correctly understood, the issue revolves around the question of whether the body or the mind can see or understand. This is not really open to question at all. The body is not capable of understanding, and only the mind can perceive anything. A pure mind knows the truth, and this is its strength. It cannot attack the body because it recognizes exactly what the body is. This is what, quote, a sane mind in a sane body, unquote, really means. This does not confuse destruction with innocence because it associates innocence with strength, not with weakness. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and is there a new reader for 23 and 24? New reader? 23 and 4? Okay, back to you, Lori. Oh, thank you. There's been some human controversy about the nature of seeing in relation to the integrative powers of the brain. Correctly understood, the issue revolves around the question of whether the body or the mind can see or understand. This is not really open to question at all. The body is not capable of understanding, and only the mind can perceive anything. A pure mind knows the truth, and this is its strength. It cannot attack the body because it recognizes exactly what the body is. This is what, quote, a sane mind in a sane body really means. It does not confuse destruction with innocence because it associates innocence with strength, not weakness. <laughs> 24. Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. That is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb takes away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God. And because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar where nothing except true perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Amen.
Thank you, Lori. And Robin Marie, would you conclude with 24? Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his Son. In this state, man's mind does see God, and because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar where nothing except true perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Well, thank you, Robin Marie, and everyone who read. Um, we are right up <clears throat> at the top of the hour. So uh, I ask that you give your attention to Judy as she leads us in the lesson for the day, lesson 26. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. Over to you, Judy. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lesson 26. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. It is surely obvious that if you can be attacked, you are not invulnerable. You see attack as a real threat. That is because you believe that you can really attack. And what would have effects through you must also have effects on you. It is this law that will ultimately save you, but you are misusing it now. You must, therefore, learn how it can be used for your own best interests rather than against them because your attack thoughts will be projected you will fear attack. And if you fear attack, you must believe that you are not invulnerable. Attack thoughts, therefore, make you vulnerable in your own mind, which is where the attack thoughts are. Attack thoughts and invulnerability cannot be accepted together. They contradict each other. The idea for today introduces the thought that you always attack yourself. 
if attack thoughts must entail the belief that you are vulnerable, their effect is to weaken you in your own eyes. Thus, they have attacked your perception of yourself. And because you believe in them, you can no longer believe in yourself. A false image of yourself, a false image of yourself has come to take the place of what you are. Practice with today's idea will help us to understand that vulnerability or invulnerability is the result of our own thoughts. Nothing except our own thoughts can attack us. Nothing except our thoughts can make us think that we are vulnerable. And nothing except our thoughts can prove to us this is not so. Six practice periods are in applying today's idea. A full two minutes should be attempted for each of them, although the time may be reduced to a minute if discomfort is too great. Do not reduce it further. The practice period should begin with repeating the idea for today. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. Then, closing our eyes and reviewing an unresolved situation whose outcomes are causing you concern. The concern may take the form of depression, worry, anger, a sense of imposition, fear, foreboding, or a preoccupation. Any problem as yet unsettled, which tends to reoccur in your thoughts during the day, is a suitable subject. You will not be able to use very many for any one practice period because a longer time than usual should be spent with each one. Today's idea should be applied as follows. First, name the situation. I am concerned about dot, dot, dot. Then, go over every possible outcome which occurs to you in that in connection, in that connection, and which has caused you concern, referring to each one, quite specifically saying, I am afraid will happen. If you are doing it pro- the exercise properly, you should have some five or six distressing possibilities available for each situation you use, and quite possibly more. It is much more helpful to cover a few situations thoroughly than to touch on a larger number. As the list of anticipated outcomes for each situation continues, you will probably find some of them, especially those which occur to you toward the end, less acceptable to you. Try, however, to treat them all alike to whatever extent you can. After you have named each outcome, anticipated outcome of what you are afraid, 
tell yourself that thought is an attack upon myself. That thought is an attack upon myself. Conclude each practice period by repeating today's idea once more. Let us take five minutes in silence. Thank you.
my attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. I will conclude with the review of le- the lesson from Lesson 56. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. How can I know who I am when I see myself as under constant attack? Pain, illness, loss, age, and death seem to threaten me. All my hopes and wishes and plans appear to be at the mercy of a world I cannot control. Yet perfect security and complete fulfillment are my inheritance. I have tried to give my inheritance away in in exchange for the world I see. But God has kept my inheritance safe for me. My own real thoughts will teach me what it is. Amen. 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 Thank Thank you, Judy. Yes, thank you, Judy. That was great. Yes, thank you, Judy. That was great. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability. Yes, go ahead. It's funny, I had to laugh because um, I had the thought, Fran always reads the review and everybody seems to enjoy that, and I thought, but the instructions say not to do two lessons at the same time. (laughs) I was concerned and afraid, and what should I do? (laughs) And then I just read the review and I thought, oh, thank you, God. Amen. I'm complete. (laughs) that's pretty good Judy thank you yeah it's the same lesson it's not another lesson that's how I see it the review is of the same lesson so anyway thanks Judy for your willingness You know, this story, and, uh, uh, you know, I quote these paragraphs so often, 19 and 24, and and, uh, so many of them contained in this section because it's such a beautiful, beautiful um, description of um, the single-edged defense of atonement. But also embedded uh, in this section and I, I wrote down just a few of them. There's probably others embedded in this section are also words like scarcity, guilt, sacrifice, vengeance, destruction, crucifixion, attack, difficulty, escape, karma, illness, death, rejection, evil, never learn, 
need for protection, terror, conflict, war. Um, and, and is telling me all of those ideas and every idea like them um, is is a is a idea uh, somewhere in the mind of anyone who comes here, and that there's only one correction. Just one correction corrects all of that, all of that. Just one correction. So if you can accept this one correction, it says, you don't have to learn from a whole bunch of smaller lessons. And uh, that's why we're we're enjoined, you know, for the one correction, accept my mind's atonement for myself. And when I do that, I'll no longer retain those errors in any form. And I'll have the awareness that that if that element of error, any one of those things or anything like it, any shade of it uh, comes to my awareness, suddenly my peace disappears because the atonement restores me, my mind to itself. He says all errors vanish, all level confusion is obliterated. I'm referring to paragraph 19. That nothing, nothing, nothing can prevail against a son of God who commends his soul to his father. Level confusion vanishes. No longer associate my identity with a body and behavior and loss, guilt, fear, sin, all of that disappears. Level confusion vanishes. I know the purity of mind and spirit. It has it all. The right relationship of the soul to other souls like it and to the Father. I I, I like to think of it when it when this miracle happened in my mind, I, I felt like I'll tell you, seriously, you know what I thought? I thought, I'm the last one to know. I'm the last one to know that we had it all wrong, that that innocence is truth, that nothing else is true, that the essence of the person I thought I was is gone, and the essence of the truth of me is, is here now. I, I didn't know how to tell people about it. I didn't. I didn't even intends to talk about this, but um, all I could think of was the experience, the holy instant was like a near death. Might have been, I don't know. <laughs> but um, that's the only way I could talk about it. And that restoration is possible now, here, any minute that I so choose. I, the body has nothing, no relationship to this. This this is uh, the truth in the mind. He calls it later on the eternal fixation. Your mind is eternally fixated on God. That's the truth. God is a fact. The atonement is also a fact in pure light. It's the one defense when I'm afraid that it corrects everything because it's perfect love. 
and all those other words, uh, that's what living is for. All those other words are are um, residual of that mind error that thought it could separate itself from its creator. All those other words embedded in here are just uh, residual shadows of mistaken thoughts in the mind. That's why my real thoughts, he says, my father has saved them for me. They're my inheritance. It's what I have from him. Unchanging, unchangeable, forever true loving relationship. Eternally fixated in the mind of my father and in my own mind and heart. It's unchangeable. But I say uh, living and these lessons are for the purpose of clearing this residual. Um, and, and I'll tell you truly, the last um, couple of years, my lesson is uh, residual of these thoughts that uh, wind up <laughs> wind up in my body. And you know, I'd have argued that point two years ago that that's impossible. Um, you know, but I am aware now. Uh, it's not the point of that is not that I use my mind to put error in my body. The point of that is mind truth is more powerful than that altogether. Much more powerful than that. And if body illnesses and symptoms disappear, all well and good. If they don't, all well and good. Because the truth uh, will um, eliminate the notion of suffering from my mind. And that's uh, that's the thing that causes all that uh, sense of despair and hopelessness and, and residual stuff that the atonement corrects. So living, uh, to me, uh, these days is, um, is I love doing the lessons. I love doing the lessons over again. I love reading this material over again because it always reveals just a little something, just a little something uh, that clears shadows from my mind. So I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Laurie, so much. That was just amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. That was wonderful. Thank you for pointing out, out all the words of contrast. Um, I wasn't aware of that, but I will certainly reread it and look for them. Um, the idea that the ego is in... in total opposition to my freedom and my joy and my happiness as being a spirit in one oneness with everything and everybody with God in consciousness in my awareness in my relaxed natural being state of mind state of mind that heavenly state of mind where I'm at peace and relaxed totally relaxed you know this this lesson today is really, um, really power been powerful for me. And in, in the physical um, illumination, illuminate, illuminating how um, I was attacking myself, even my my personal body self, 
um, by hating the pain in my body because I was so contracted in um, defense, not realizing that attacking it and hating it was a defense for it and making me hold onto it in defense of it. And it made me so much more in pain. It amplified it. You know, that by resisting it, I strengthened the pain and fortified it and paid more attention to it. And and then with the little exercise that I did um, with the lesson this morning, um, recognizing how all of the concerns and worries and I love I, I love um, the um, where it talks about in in, in um, paragraph four where it talks about the different forms of concern, depression, worry, anger, a sense of imposition. I found interesting. Something is imposing upon me. Um, fear, foreboding. I put the word dread, dreading something, or preoccupying, my mind's preoccupied with certain thoughts. I'm concerned about it because it keeps, I keep thinking about it. And, you know, insistent, my thoughts are insistent. Pay attention to this. You need worry about this. Um, and how that ego trickster, that ego tricks my mind into making it feel important by investing emotion in it. I did this simple exercise of um, feeding my squirrels and, you know, the mess that the, the shells leave on the lawn and and on the, the walkways because the neighbors have complained. And, and I took it to, you know, one thought, fearful thought, leading to another fearful thought, leading to another fearful thought, none of, none of which had anything to do with the simple fact that I'm feeding the squirrels. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> I had myself moving out, an image in my mind, getting, getting a truck and packing my furniture in, in, in some unknown place where I wasn't going to be happy. I mean, the, Lori, you talk about that time-tripping stuff. You know, I've got myself in my head imagining picture pictures in my imagination of Judy and her body in a truck and her furniture. And it's like I'm, I haven't left my deck. I'm still sitting on my deck. And how, um, you know, the continuity of time, the way ego uses the past memory of my neighbors maybe mentioning I shouldn't feed 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 them so much, you know, the traffic's getting heavy around here with the birds and the squirrels. And, you know, maybe, you know, the past memories and images are feeding the, the continuity of the ego's perception of myself and a body into the future. And it's like really obvious to me that I'm not just sitting on my deck anymore. And where did my peace go? And how the ego tricks my mind into thinking these thoughts are important by investing me with fear. Investing them with fear, which just defends the ego. It's really fun doing the exercise the lesson today. I hope it's helpful. Simple examples are really helpful for me. I'm complete. Oh, thank, thank you, Judy. Judy. Oh, thank you, Judy. Yes, 
I agree. They are helpful. Well, good morning, everybody. And again, if they start banging upstairs, I apologize. But um, <clears throat> this uh, uh, section is, uh, for me, it was a real re-education about atonement and uh, what it really means, you know. And um, I know earlier in the text, Jesus tells, tells us, tells me that um, the atonement principle existed way before the crucifixion. And in this section, he says the atonement was established by the resurrection. So, you know, I have to go back to, you know, the earlier section where it says it existed before the crucifixion. And remember that it wasn't that it wasn't available. It's just that humanity wasn't willing to accept it. It just wasn't ready. Um, to accept it but with the resurrection of of jesus it became ready and um i like to think of atonement also as um salvation not salvation from sin but salvation from forgetfulness uh salvation from the darkness that hides the truth of us so, uh, you know, that's, I think it's really important to make that distinction because, you know, uh, you know, over time, lots of different religions um, have um, tried to connect suffering and sin and forgiveness uh, with uh, worldly conditions that don't really exist in reality you know the the atonement is whole like love it has no opposite and if we think of things like what is not love or what is not atonement in truth they don't matter because they don't exist you know that's the beauty of wholeness no matter what dualistic meaning we might want to put on it that the truth of it stands alone as one and it cannot be compromised. Um, so, and, and another thing, I, I loved uh, a reminder for me, and and just a familiar verse was, uh, "Into Thy presence do I enter now." You know, a prayer that I always say. You know, it's just my way of connecting in the present moment before meditation is. Um, into thy presence do I enter now. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. So I commend my spirit. Leave Lana, I don't know, wherever she wants to go, and just bring the truth of me to this present moment and commune with God and commend my spirit to him because he is its creator. Um, and the last thing I wanted to share was of the symbolism of the lion and the lamb. I'm so glad they washed that blood off that poor precious lamb. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I love how, um, and I, you know, and, and for me, this defines the power of love. You know, where Jesus mentions the lion and the lamb, he connects power with innocence. And there's, and again, there's no conflict there. They're one. Um, and so many times, Love is 
held as something sweet and gentle and loving, but certainly power isn't um, connected to it. And Jesus is telling me here, for one thing, is that power and innocence go together as one. You know, and, and it kind of points to that verse in the Bible, the meek shall inherit the earth. Not because they're weak, but because they're innocent. And that's a very powerful state of being. And that's another reason why the combination of innocence and strength can heal anything. This crazy perceptual realm may dream up and show us. You know, if it's not peace, <laughs> it's not real. If it's not love, it's not real. If it's, you know, it's... Um, Someone brought up uh, how can you find peace in a suffering world. And I reflected on that with Jesus. And and what showed up in my mind was, you know, the well, how do you find peace in a seeming suffering world is that by extending and sharing the love of God. Because when I do that, you know, I'm not I'm not invalidating the suffering that seems to be showing up in the world. I'm just not afraid of it anymore. You know, because I know what the remedy is. Um, and it's where I find my peace. You know, I extend love. And again, it points uh, to that important, at least for me it is, notion of not being self-absorbed. Because when I leave this state of self-absorption, I join in unity with my brothers and with God. And that, and self is forgotten. It just, just falls away. Now you're one with God. You're one with love. You're one with all your brothers. You're one in spirit with all creation. And that is such a peaceful resting place to be. So whether it's a half-hour meditation or... I disappear into painting or cooking or writing. I'm disappearing into love because I'm following my bliss, my joy. And when I follow that and engage in that, all, all thoughts of self disappear. All thoughts of the world disappears. I disappear. <laughs> Time disappears. I'm joined with love and nothing else exists. And um and so the lion and the lamb just um, remind me of how powerful love is and how simple and innocent it is. So I'm complete. Thank you so much for sharing. That was beautiful, Anna. I should say for Thank listening. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> yes, it was. Thank you. Thank you. I have something to say about that. That's great what you share, Lana. And I'm going to say also, in case anybody gets curious or whatever, of course, I don't turn on the news, but other people where I live do turn it on. And when I see bad news, which seems to be the majority of what's on the news, um, I can and do send love to it, send love to those people involved, uh, that place involved with some kind of, natural disaster or whatever. I don't know if they're all natural, but that's a whole different subject. But, um, you know, I can send love to 
the things I hear about and the places I hear about. And I think that Lana does that naturally, just just in her um, being loved. But if I'm not doing it naturally, I can, and I feel bad when I send when I see those things. I can consciously send love or radiate love towards that person or persons or place or thing. That's all. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. That's so true, Ida, because the love extended not only heals, serves to heal whatever you're sending it to, but it heals um, our mind as well, the one sending it. You know, if I'm in fear about the world suffering, when I send love, it sort of counteracts and overrules the fear. And it's like light bringing, you know, bringing darkness to light. It just disappears. I'm complete. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Lana. Okay. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, watching the news because I don't watch the news per se, but I love watching, like, nature shows. And I was watching and listening to one yesterday, and it was about little animals taking their big journeys, like, they have to go like eight miles, and when they're like as big as a fingernail, that's a long way to go. And all the threats and all the attacks and all the um, hiding and, and fear and going to get eaten or, or, or um, you know, get killed. And, you know, I mean, it's, the world is full of that stuff. And as natural and beauti- beautiful as nature can be, it's still the way the Course describes it. It's attack and defend. It's the weak, the weak and the strong, and it's, it's, about, it's about fear of survival and instinct. And, you know, the identification with the body, it's a natural instinct for the body to want to survive. And the ego identifying with the body instinctually wants to defend itself, its territory, its needs, its wants, what's mine, this is mine. And, you know, it, we're so intertwined and entrenched enmeshed in our thinking that we're not even aware of how much of our thinking is, is fear, based on fear, anxiety, worry, foreboding, dreading the future, what's going to happen next, Am I going to make it? Am I going to, am I going to get there on time? Am I going to arrive alive? You know, I mean, there's so much fear. And I think I just want to stop and um, say I am the knower of my thoughts. That the voice that my ego would say, this is my point of view, isn't necessarily so. That I have to stop and be aware of my thinking before I even speak, because if I don't think about my thoughts before I speak, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying, and my ego's speaking for me. So I have to be mindful of what I'm thinking before I even speak, because I can get so wrapped up in my thinking, I'm not even aware of what I'm saying. I'm not listening to my own quote-unquote self-talk. 
Just something I've observed in myself in the last couple of days. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. That's an excellent point. Thank you, Judy. Good morning. Um, jump in? When I feel like you're attacking my invulnerability. Um, I was thinking when I'm identified with my Christ self and my spirit, I know I'm invulnerable. And and this is the lesson of non-duality, is that when we don't have a split mind and we're not living between two identities, the identity of the ego and the identity of the Christ self, one one um, unified belief system is so much stronger than having the uh, split the split mind that goes back and forth in duality. <clears throat> but it's really really hard when you're sick, and once again, it's just it keeps going on and on. You know, the body is just, and it's not not sick in a way that you know I feel like. Is something catastrophic, but it's just constant um, not being able to breathe and, and being nauseous. And I really feel like it also could be emotion, you know, that I can't contact what it is, so I can't move it through me. But um, it's been, you know, all of December and now a couple of weeks now, so it's 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 very distracting. And um, once upon a time, I was with a spiritual master. I was with him for seven years. And one thing he said one time was, oh, God so loved the world that he could deliver this blow. And on several separate occasions, he, pun- my teacher, punished me in a huge way. <laughs> huge. And, you know, the, the concept was, it's clearing your ego. It's clearing your ego, you know, humiliating me in front of the group and um, stuff like that. And and it's to clear the ego, to get rid of the ego. So it's kind of a <clears throat> it's kind of a, a a little bit of a sticky point because I was trained to believe that that was the case. My first spiritual um, guru was Hilda Tarleton, and Hilda Tarleton was Alan Cohen, who is a Course in Miracles person. Um, it was his guru, and he took me to her. And for the last couple of years of her life, all she did was teach us about what was coming, the tribulation that was coming, the climate change. And she went on a, a huge thing for a couple of years of telling us to be prepared for a certain political person. She would say, oh, the first time he comes, he's not going to be so bad, but the second time, you're going you're gonna to have to get the mark, and if you don't get the mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. And we built a we built a, a, an underground. We were the original preppers in the late 80s, and we stored seeds. And I had a whole basement full of canned goods, and it was it was like living in terror because I didn't feel like I could live. You know, it didn't even occur to me to go back to school until so many years had passed after she passed away because. I just thought the world was going to end tomorrow. And so it's like there's a fear that was planted. And and it was planted by a very spiritually powerful person and a whole community that also upheld that belief. 
and now it's what's going on in the world. I mean, the floods and uh, the wars and the Middle East war, which is, of course, where it's all supposed to really start. And then certain political leaders. I mean, there's so much that could that my ego mind could plug into in the fear of it all. And I just know the Course is, not, is telling us not to do that. But I kind of wonder, you know, is this where the Christian martyrs said, no problem, I'll go in the line and stand, you can rip my body to shreds because I know I'm not a body and I don't care. I'm a spirit, so I'll give up my body. Is that where this was all born? Because I never used to be able to understand how that was even possible. You know, how did, how did they feel that that was, that was a, you know, a good, a good decision? Um, I do understand, though, that if you're established in the kingdom of love, if you're really in your heart, which I'm sure Lori is, and I bet Lana, and I'm sure a lot of you are, I don't feel like I am. And when I did the lesson today, that was my biggest fear. I can't, I can't force myself back into the kingdom. I can't get back into my heart on my own self-will or self-initiation. It's great. It's God's timing. And so I just have to be where I am and not judge and, you know, accept and trust wherever, whatever this is that, you know, be thou in charge. This holy instant I give to you, be you in charge. I can't, I can't shift it into feeling the love that I used to feel. I don't know why. It's, you know, it's, not, it's just not happening. Um, I just want to add one more thing. Um, I got up at 4 o'clock and meditated, and I was up for hours before the first call. And when I was meditating and I started to do the lesson and it said, what are you afraid of? And I had the thought, well, I'm afraid of this political person being in power again. And all that stuff from my first teacher was, you know, kind of rattling around in my brain, which I wasn't unconscious of that stuff. But it's like, oh, something terrible is going to happen. Something horrible is going to happen. That's the feeling of it. And I was in meditation, and I just had this feeling of being a child and knowing that when my mother got home, something terrible was going to happen. And it was like the, the, um, that, that fear that I think I'm projecting about the present and about the future and about what's going on politically is really just an ancient emotional lock that the light is trying to release, but I keep trying to escape from feeling it, you know, by, by having spiritual spiritual thoughts and, you know, trying to chant mantras. And I'm trying to escape those feelings, but those feelings are just trying to come up, and so they're projecting outward into the world. Um, and it's as simple as that. It's just a child who misunderstood the world. And, and the child mind misinterpreted everything, like why things were happening. It always was because I'm unlovable and I'm bad and I'm a sinner and God doesn't love me and I'm separate. Those are all the things that Catholic school taught me and those are all the things that my child mind processed and believed. And I feel like somehow it has to go back and undo it. And I'm sorry, I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, Karen. (laughs) Oh, bless you, Karen. You cover so 
so beautifully um, those shadows that I was talking about. And if I may, um, someone said this to me as regards these child things. A child doesn't know if it's being fed mashed human brains or broccoli. The response of the child to anything it interprets as an assault is the same. Horror. And um, and the atonement, this home value, this nest of nearness, this place that you talk about in your mind and your heart so beautifully is your very own place of integration. And um, it is more powerful than any aspect of horror that um, the separate mind can call up for you to re-experience. Um, the now moment, the now moment will free you, I think, and at least it does me. I beg your pardon if I overspoke you. Um, and that was crosstalk. I'm sorry, I should have asked permission. I'm complete. Lord, you have my permission anytime. Thank you, though. Thank you for sharing that. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Oh, sorry. This is Jessica. um, And Karen, I just, you know, I feel like everything you said, maybe not all the specifics, but but maybe all the specifics, I completely identify with. And um, I think many people do. And I believe that what the Course is telling us is that we all have a fear or many fears that are really based on one fear. We're afraid of the future because we feel guilty, because we think we hurt God by choosing to leave and wanting to be special. And so we are dogged by this guilt, which turns into fear. And, you know, I watched the weather report, and it scares me because, I don't know, will the snow be removed in time for me to go out when I want to go out? I mean, that was one of the things I did on the lesson this morning was um, I'm afraid because I had all this anxiety when we got snow, and for the whole day they didn't come, and I had an appointment, a, a medical appointment the next day, so I was anxious about that, but it wasn't really, you know, it's never really the specifics. It's, I'm being punished. I did something wrong. Something bad is going to happen because I'm bad. And I think, you know, the Course says, one problem, one solution. Anyway, I, 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 I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Yeah, innocence is truth. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. I love hearing from you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to just share uh, something, um, Karen, uh, if that's okay. Sure. Um, You know, I was a child of the 50s. And um, I can tell you, and I also had a Catholic um, education, so... I know where you're coming from. And in the 50s, it was especially special. (laughs) But also during that time, most of us had no dreams of growing up. It was a given, just about a given, 
that nobody was going to be here when we grow up because the world would be blown up. It was during the Cold War. And it was so ingrained in us that the world and all of us in it would be gone, that we didn't plan as children. But we were comforted by the fact that we were told, it'll be fast, it'll be painless, and you'll wake up in heaven. And um, so we just kind of accepted that. You know, we did our air raid drills, getting under the desk like that was going to save us. But um, the thing of it is, is uh, the world cannot be solved. It cannot be solved. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's like where we're half of the country is terrified that a certain president may be reelected. The other half of the country would be celebrating that outcome. Who's right? Who's wrong? It's a perspective and it's a belief system. And I can tell you, because I have friends, my, my roommate is a starch Republican and he can't wait for, for Trump to be reelected. And is he evil? Is he bad? No, he just has a different perspective than I do. I can't judge him, and regardless of what's going to happen to the world, well, guess what? I'm so surprised I'm still here, and almost 75 years old. I didn't blow up, you know. Even if what saved the world was the fear of mutual self-destruction between Russia and the United States, <laughs> God bless them. If that keep kept them from blowing each other up, you know, I'm grateful to them. But the, the, the thing of it is, is coming in your mind back to that place, that beautiful place where we can recognize that I don't know what anything's for. The only thing I have control over is right here and right now. Am I at peace or am I not? If I'm not at peace, I'm misperceiving. It has nothing to do with the future or the past, the future worries or past regrets, because I can only find peace right here and right now with God. That's it. I mean, there's no other option in reality. I mean, we, we might, um, the most beautiful, happy dream I ever had was the 12 years I shared with my husband and, you know, having Maggie come into our lives. The thing about dreaming, happy or otherwise, is that they have beginnings and they have endings. That's why they're not real. And when that happy dream ended, my world fell apart. And I tell you, if it wasn't an intervention from Jesus, I don't even know if I'd be on the phone, you know, talking to you right now. You know, it was so devastating. So, um, the uh, one, just one more thing. Um, and that, you know, we try and try and try and try and try until we say, I give up. Because all we have to do is be willing to be healed. Forgiveness and awakening is done for us, not by us. So we can struggle and we can judge ourselves for not doing it right or not know how to do it or eluding it. But it's never our fault. You know, it's just getting out of our own way. And just say, you know, like that time I shared where I threw the book across the room and I said, I give up. I can't do this. 
and and was reassured by Jesus that that's all I ever had to do was give up, not in hopelessness, but give up to God. Just be still and see what shows up without my interference. Okay, I'm going to be still this moment and return to peace, or maybe I'll sit here with God in fear. God doesn't mind, but I'm just going to allow life to show up. And, you know, we just walk into it one moment at a time with Jesus. We're never alone. So I'm yapping too long. So I'm, I'm, I'm complete. I hope that was helpful. Beautiful, beautiful process. Thank you so much. This yes, is Donna. Uh, <clears throat> and I um, love what just... Uh, I think it's Jessica's voice, but I'm not sure. It reminded me of be still and know that I am God. That's what she was saying to me. I'm captured by the review lesson 56 today. I saw the word invulnerable, and I thought, oh, okay, well, where's the word invulnerable? And I couldn't find it. So I, I looked, and I saw these words, pain, Illness, loss, age, death. And then I began to get, I saw the word inheritance. I saw the words, the world I see. And um, then I looked for, well, where is vulnerability? And I looked back up at the words in black. (laughs) Attack thoughts. Attack thoughts are my vulnerability. Invulnerability is truth. So invulnerability is my protection. And then I got something. (laughs) I wrote it down. We have a choice. Vulnerable or invulnerable. I understand atonement is a choice. Accept the undoing of error's perception of pain, illness, loss, age, death. By realizing that they have no reality, never happened, or choosing to, or number two, choosing to continue to entertain them in thought. I can choose I can choose for my home the pig pen called world or true home, heaven. I can entertain or think about both vulnerability and invulnerability, but it doesn't work. So I can think about attack thoughts or truth, but thinking about both doesn't work. I choose the undoing, the atonement, and will hang on through the dissolving of the bucking bronco called error and let atonement happen. Thank you, and I am complete. (laughs) I love that, Donna. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. 
I just came in at the end of what you were saying, but it still sounded good to me about the bucking bronco called error. Wow. Maybe I should just let the bronco throw me and then get off of it and not get on it anymore. <laughs> I don't know, but... Yeah, I... No, something going on. Um, let's see what, how you guys can help me deal with this. I'm going to get a new roommate pretty soon. And she said, they said she was 62, which is four years younger than me, but then they changed it and said, no, this one is 90. And I'm like, when I had my other roommate who was 83, she got a lot of attention and I didn't get much. When I have a roommate 90, I think they're going to be helping her all the time and either, you know, ignoring me or shunting me out of the way. Because I'm not on them. I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not 90, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I don't want to be shunted out of the way. I don't want to be ignored. And I feel badly about that. And that's, that's what it is. Thank you. I'm complete. Well, that's some really excellent self-realization about your thinking, Ida. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I don't even have that roommate yet, and I already feel like with the other people that need more physical help, that... I get ignored a lot of times, and I do pretty well, but I, I don't think I could take any more of it. <laughs> I've reached my limit. <laughs> so. Well, I guess I'll just have to adjust, but, but the Course says that sin, sin, he uses that word sometimes, right, even though it has a guilty connotation for me, because of how I was raised up and stuff. The sin is always adjusting. In the ego, we're always adjusting to everything and everybody, to the ego, I guess, our own ego, and to the ego that we make up for everybody. So since ego or sin is always adjusting, I'd really rather not be adjusting. But I can't really be demanding either, because... I'm going to be accused of being too demanding. And it's not going to work. So, somehow I have to resolve the situation when it happens and not worry about it now, even if it's only a few days away. Resolve it when it happens. Because I know it will happen. Um, by going, in, going within some more and finding my sustenance from within and what I can give instead of what I can receive. It's like I'm reparenting myself, like my inner child who was taken care of quite a bit. I mean, when I was four and I could have done it myself, I used to lie on my bed with my, le with my legs up and my parents would put on my pajamas for me. You know, that type of thing. I was pretty coddled. At least until my brother came along when I was eight. 
and I got to be the big sister, or I got to be the big sister. It depends on the way you look at it, right? But um, so I'm reparenting that inner child, and like I said the other day, I I personally couldn't have done it on ACIM alone, as wonderful and it is wonderful as it is. I had to have, before I found out about ACIM, I had to find out, I had to read about healing the inner child and a whole bunch of other things and places and isms and and uh, and people. But um, I just have to sit her down and love her and give her the love that, you know, if I don't feel like, you know, she's getting that love from other people. Because I look very much like an adult. I do not look at all like that child anymore. So people tend to judge things on the way they look to the physical senses, not on how they are inside. <coughs> Thank you. Oh, Ida, that was really beautiful, the way that you started out asking, saying that you needed help with something and then provided it so beautifully yourself by talking about what you're going to give instead of thinking about what you what you want to get. Uh, that was just absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, you, do ha- you do what you have to do, don't you? <laughs> Hi, this is Diana, and I was up last night listening to a podcast with um, uh, Tony Robbins. I've, I've had his tapes in the past, never listened to them. I've had his books. They're sitting dusty, you know, somewhere <laughs> hidden on a shelf. And um, But last night there was a spree thing that came on TV, and I mean uh, on my um, uh I signed up for a week ago that started yesterday, and I started listening to it, and it was just a re-reminder, again, of course, lessons. It always comes back to love and kindness and what you think. And his whole thing, you know, and the lessons in today's, you know, lessons and some of the shares that I've heard where people are are troubled um, by their own perceptions of things, you really do have to watch your thoughts, you know? Are you ready for that holy instant, you know? Watch every word you say. Don't let it idle and come out of your mouth without really watching them. What are you saying? What are you, you know, because whatever you say, it's a vision board into what's going to happen. So, you know, Tony's saying, like Course in Miracles, you know, comes back to, all you need to do in this situation or in any situation, he had, you know, little things that he would say, you know, all I need to, to, to focus on, all I need to remember is, all I need to do is, and then, and then don't go to your thinking mind, just say it. What do you need to do? You know, we need to reframe our thinking, we, you know, and go into the parts of ourselves that God has given us to help us along the way, you know. In, in his particular case, he was talking, you know, about four, um, uh, uh, 
parts of yourself. There are many parts of yourself, but I mean, if you go into, you know, the magician, so he said, you know, uh, to be lighthearted, you know, a jokester, you know, you know, you can erase anything with just a thought, you know, shift that, shift that air thinking that you happen hasn't even happened yet. You're already setting it up how, how it's going to happen. So, you know, let me know in a week, you know, how that went because you're going to be right. It all comes down to what you think. You know, he talks about going into, you know, tapping into the warrior of yourself that, that, you know, is brave and strong. You know, these are all parts of God. It's just really remembering there are other parts of you that can help you along in kindness, in truth, in love. And there were two other ones. Um, uh, the lover <laughs> was one of them, you know. Um, when you're stressed out, you know, and that's where the lover can step in to realign you back with who you are, get you back in touch with. There is, you know, love can can be such an enlightening way to see the world, to get out of shadow. And these are my words, but I'm just kind of trying to track along with what, you know, he. I was learning yesterday with him. But, and then part of me was saying, ooh, is this hocus pocus? What am I doing? And I thought, no, God, no, this. Ego, would you please go to your room, better yet, pack up and leave? Because everything is always a road back to God. All religions, all, you know, anything that can help you along your way to get you out of what you think. He was saying, you know, okay, your job is to uh, 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 put new emotions, new words behind, you know, some of these emotions that you have. What? Are you ready to pack it up and let that old stuff go? How can you reframe and, and start today in new thought? What are the powering words that are going to take you with God's help? He's a believer, you know, and, and whether it's in the universe or God, it doesn't matter. The point is that you believe in love, that you believe in kindness, that you believe in yourself, and you can pack up those thoughts and replace them with thoughts you want to have. And... Anyway, I just thought I would share that. I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. <clears throat> this is a, the first sentence in this chapter says, this is a course in retraining the mind. And... Uh, to understand that the mind is the level of cause. And too often we um, <clears throat> misperceive the body as cause and then let the, the mind just must be effect. And we have to think certain things because of what we see. As uh, an individual <clears throat> in a big world full of other um, individuals were willing to let them be like us in their fractiousness in all the senses of that. <laughs> Both that bucking bronco rare. That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, metaphor. And yeah, I, <clears throat> I tend to agree with you, Ida, that it's, uh, it's, it's best not to try and keep 
it, you know, it's like it's like what the Course says, that the the resolution is not found through mastery of fear, but instead through mastery of love. And I think, um, you know, this is, you, you can't, it can't be forced, right? That's why it speaks of the sole responsibility being acceptance of the atonement. And that this is, uh, this is the, I think, a fundamental mind change <clears throat> that has to occur to allow, um, you know, whatever words you want to put on it, redemption, um, resurrection, is to just accept that, you know, what's projected out on the world is a part of uh, our own, uh, well, what is pro- what we see in the world we have projected there because of a misapprehension of our own self and that this acceptance of the atonement is fundamental because it restores uh, a truer vision of how the world is still one despite all its seeming edges and differences. <clears throat> and, you know, I, <laughs> I it is interesting, this political choice between um, <clears throat> the hard and fast projection of fear outward and on the other hand, what appears to be confusion. It's like neither choice seems really very helpful. (laughs) But um, you know, it could be seen as the symptoms of a of a system that's that's built out of misconceptions and and bits that has. has some kind of like overemphasis of uh, things and property over over uh, what it is that <clears throat> we actually are as living beings, and uh, you know it, it's the symptom of impending um, collapse, and that can again appear fearful. But it's necessary, perhaps, to allow the change of mind about what the whole thing is all about and what we really need, which is more of guidance than of uh, control. And, yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) It seems very difficult, but it really is rather simple to to change, you know, um, given our propensity for judging. 
is to try and use a, a pure, clean standard for judging um, until we realize that the judging is is the real issue that creates uh, one of the main issues that you know fear is a judgment never justified because the mind itself is never actually threatened it's always the body that's threatened and the mind that has misperceived itself as a body that um falls prey then to loss of loss of innocence, loss of the power of cause, um, the feeling that we have to do things. Anyway, I, I don't mean to ramble on too too hard, but the, the, too long. And I, I was trying to head towards a close. Just to refocus that on the, I think it is the first sentence here. This is a course in mind training. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the fundamental perception of, of what the world is for uh, aligned with that sentence, that this is a world for mind training, does, uh, does change it. it it can you can let that take away some of the seeming heaviness of all the all the forms and under and uh at least maybe begin to understand that you know, maybe I should just maybe speak for myself that I can begin then begin to understand that the forms are there to um, stimulate change in the perception of the mind because this is, has to be fundamental to this idea of mind training. <clears throat> if the mind has to, uh, has to really get closer to a true perception of what mind is before um, and any any real training can occur. <laughs> and that's why, again, I'll just re repeat that the sole responsibility is the acceptance of the atonement. And, and uh, um, I think maybe the, the four steps in, uh, in, let's see, the correction for lack of love Maybe a good place to end then is, you know, especially related to the lesson today about how attack thoughts are attacking my vulnerability. It's those steps are know first that this is fear, and fear arises from lack of love, and the only remedy for lack of love is perfect love. And perfect love is the atonement, and that that is um, the first and fundamental step in mind training, 
is to always hold whatever situation is going on and ask, you know, ask myself, am I accepting the atonement in my view here? And, uh, yeah, with that, I'm a cl- I'm complete. And I'd like to thank you very much. Thank you all for sharing. I did want to try and speak earlier, but y'all is y'all so eager and want to share. So I'm just going to end the recording. I'm sure the call will continue. And uh, thank you all for your participation in whatever form. Thank you, Lemoyne. I look forward to hearing more uh, on the after call.